This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? Lee Hello, everybody, and welcome to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila, and Arvin. Uh, happy, happy Chinese New Year to everybody who is celebrating. We have got a Chinese New Year related throwback. In fact, one to the year of the rabbit, the last time there was. Uh, no, it's not the last time. It's two cycles ago from 1987. <laughs> uh, we're talking about a Chinese New Year movie classic. It's a mad, mad, mad world. I must confess I get quite excited when this time rolls around and we get to decide to throw back to one of these um, festive classics because it reminds me of the time when I was young and, you know, during Chinese New Year, movies that you would uh, that I would otherwise perhaps not seek out would pop up on TV and then you'd watch something just kind of fun and ridiculous and this is exactly that. Um, I don't think this is something I would have picked up and watched, even though it's actually on the streaming service. Um, but I'm so glad that we decided to do it because it's just a fun weekend watch. Oh my God, I'm going to so echo everything that you just said <laughs> for this movie. Uh, because there are some movies, right, that I've never seen, um, or I don't remember seeing, more like, um, that I feel nostalgic for because of how it looks and how it sounds. Um, and because I used to, like 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 a lot of us, like Balai Kampong, uh, during like the Chinese New Year school holidays, and the TV used to be on TV2, and my grandma used to watch uh, a lot of like Hong Kong dramas and then Hong Kong movies. Um, everything about the way this looks and sounds, uh, especially sounds, uh, with the slightly distorted analog recording uh, sort of thing just really, really takes me back. Um, I can't even pinpoint where exactly that sort of sound or all those visuals come from, but it has that distinct quality that's unique to like Hong Kong and Asian cinema. Um, so yeah, like like the story is whatever. It's like a, it's like a half hour sitcom stretched to like a feature length film. But the the carefree vibe of watching this is something else. It's really something else. So I, I felt a bit of pressure, uh, to be honest, in talking about what we could throw back to because All's Well, Ends Well to me is the gold standard of Chinese New Year, you know, like ridiculous comedies. To me, that is the high point. But It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World is also a classic. And then, uh, like all the other movies of its ilk, went and spawned off like another two movies, even though, like you said, it's a half-hour sitcom that they then made into three films. <laughs> Imagine that. So um, I, I'm happy. I'm so happy that you both enjoyed it because it's a part of my childhood. It's a part of Chinese New Year from my childhood. Um, the actors, the faces, the cadence of all of it is so familiar to me. And um, it's interesting, right? Because when I watched it um, as a younger person, all of the stuff about 
China and Hong Kong and the handover and Hong Kong of a certain period meant nothing to me. Watching it now, I'm like, wow, they were doing social political stuff. It's kind of strange <laughs> to, to recognize that. Um, but in brief, it's a mad, mad, mad world. Uh, it's directed by Clifton Koh. It stars uh, Bill Tung, Lydia Sum. You would have heard um, in that clip, Lydia Sum as well as Eric Zhang. And um, they are part of the Pew family and they are all struggling in their own ways to make ends meet. They're living in um, in a flat. They're all kind of crammed in there. And then um, the mother, who is an inveterate gambler, wins the lottery. And then they start imagining how things will be, but also somebody gets kidnapped. You get the idea. So actually, I have a lot to say about the socio-political commentary because I don't think I expected... That level of, um, I mean, the movie even starts with scenes of people in Hong Kong struggling and then contrasting that with how the ultra wealthy in the same city would live. And I didn't expect that. So, in uh, you know, All's Well Ends Well, I think is a much more traditional madcap comedy. This one is actually doing a lot of things that I didn't expect it to do, but, but I'll get to that later. Um, I think what I enjoyed about It's a Mad, Mad, mad world um, is the fact that actually for all that the story might have been a particular way, I actually thought this was going to turn out to be something like the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, but that's not where the movie goes. So I was quite surprised by where the movie goes because, you know, just when you think you're going to see a rags to riches comedy thing, actually what you end up seeing is some sort of like sleight of hand, like there's some crime and kidnapping thrown in there. There's romance, there's um, family relations, long lost relatives coming back. Like I didn't expect the twist and turns that this movie took. And I think that's something I actually really enjoyed because it's consistently funny, but, it's, but it also consistently manages to surprise you with what happens next. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, sometimes we talk about like there are, there are three acts in the movie. This has like six because it, it, it changes like every every 15 minutes, every 20 minutes. There's stuff about uh, people losing their jobs. Then there's stuff about the lottery. Then there's stuff, uh, there's like drama with the, the kids. Uh, they had psychedelic dream sequences that suddenly pop oh, up. Oh, I love the dream all, sequences. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then all of a sudden crime and kidnapping shows up like towards the last like 40 minutes and a car chase a gunfight it's an action movie it's a drama it's a romance combat and and combat they're like six genres in one movie um i don't think i don't think it's like uh, i don't think you need to predict where it goes um if you let it take you where it wants to take you then it's enjoyable but yeah i i stopped trying to figure out what genre this movie was in like within the first 30 minutes maybe i was like okay Okay, let's just sit back. I think a lot of it also works because of chemistry. I mean, so the mm. movie looks a certain kind of way. Um, I, I was thinking about this, that I have a long professed uh, dislike of the 80s on screen. And yet this is a pretty quintessentially 80s movie, but it doesn't look it right. And I think it's quite interesting to to observe how 80s, the 80s, quote-unquote look in cinema or theatre can look different from one film industry to the next because this one is identifiably 80s because of the fashion, um, because of the the hallmarks of the time. But otherwise, aesthetically speaking, from a film or editing or even music point of view, it's not hardcore 80s. You could have kind of placed it at about like 92, 93, even up to 95 and not felt that it, it felt kind of Odd. So, so that was one thing. Um, but the other part of it was, I thought that the chemistry between the cast was very cute. Um, Bill Tung and Lydia Sum have done this exact pairing um, and have 
played these people so many times that they pair off each other and ping off each other really beautifully. But also you believe that the family is real, down to the extended family and their little pointed remarks about Jung Sam re-wearing and things like that. Oh, I love the chemistry between the cast. The, ex- the extended family scenes are so good because they feel so real, I think. Um, you know, you would think that, because obviously Arvin and I had to rely on subtitles, um, you would think that sometimes the nuances of the barbs and the and the passive aggression might get lost. But I think they do a really good job coming through even in the subtitles and even in the body language and the way they communicate with each other. Um, same for the mahjong ladies in the apartment that they live in <laughs> and how they're making these like veiled remarks about each other. I thought that was really funny. Um, I love the family chemistry. Lydia Sum and Biltung are great. The three daughters are also so good with each other. Um, there's some great comedic scenes. And, you know, with child actors, it's such a fine line, right? Especially in a genre like this, they can either be really funny or really grating. And uh, the actress who plays the youngest daughter, uh, Pauline Kwan, I think, um, she is, I'm not, is that her name? Her name is Pauline in the show. I think that her name in real life, um, it's not particularly helpful, is... I think she might be Elsie. I'm not certain. Yeah, because they're, she's credited differently in different uh, in different cast lists. But suffice to say, I thought she was such a good um, child actress for all the scenes that she was required to be in. She's so good. So, so good. Um, I, I have a slightly um, opposing take on the subtitle thing because I, I there's a lot of the comedy and the body language and the humor... Uh, that came across that I think is super accessible, even if you don't understand the language and the subtitles do a really good job at at getting you to understand. Um, I felt like there were some things that get lost in, and I guess this is the case if you don't understand any kind of language that got lost in the the mannerisms and the way that they speak. So some things like some jokes that were translated, I didn't know what they were saying because, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a, that's a way they speak or it's it's kind of like wordplay that is very specific to the language itself um that subtitle just cannot cannot help you with la so there were a few places i think i think it was very clever with like the, i'm definitely sure there were some puns and there was some wordplay uh didn't come across in the subtitles and it kept me uh kind of guessing and going like wait was that like what did that mean or, or what did this mean so i don't know yeah that, that was just like one small issue that i had which is always going to be the case, I suppose, right? When you're watching things cross-culturally. Um, I have the answer. Uh, the youngest daughter, who was very natural and very funny and excellent, is in fact Pauline Kwan, ah. which would make the eldest sister Elsie. So there it is. It's confusing because her name in the movie is also Pauline. Anyways, um, we're talking <laughs> today about It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World from 1987. Um, it is a Chinese New Year film. It was released on the eve um, in 1987. It's not to be mistaken with It's a Mad, 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 Mad World from 1963. <laughs> just in case, just in case you're planning to go watch it. Anyway, um, let us know. Do you remember watching this film? And what have you been catching over Chinese New Year? Um, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bruce Freddie Morrissey. BFM. Eighty-nine point nine. 
係我嘅，我今年都要再翻一次，咁先至跟得上潮流嘅。BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody. You're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And in conjunction with this festive period, we're throwing back to a classic Chinese New Year film um, from 1987. It's a mad, mad, mad world. Uh, there are two others in this. Wait. No, there aren't. There are three. There are three others. I was wrong. There are four. There are four movies in this franchise. Anyway, um, if you've caught it before, you know that it is about this one family that strikes it big and then spends the entire movie essentially thinking about how they're going to spend the money, squabbling over how they're going to spend the money, and then coming into um problems because. Well, there are external factors that keep them from spending the money, or people want the money, and that's the whole premise of the film. How do you both feel about the fixation with the money? So that relates, I think, to the thing I was saying earlier, right? I actually thought it was very clever how this movie does a really good job of depicting what the middle class anxieties and realities of living in 1980s Hong Kong was. Because、um, Bill Tong's job, he's a TV reporter, right? And the way they depict what that job is like, what the workplace is like, getting to work in the train,、um, you know, the the deciding should we take a taxi to a banquet or should we go on a train.、Um, All of those are so real, and I honestly didn't expect that much realism in a movie like this.、Um, I've been on probation for eighteen years. Yes, yes, <laughs> and、um, I don't know. There's something about the comedy that bites harder,、um, and the obsession with money actually feels real because of how well the movie sets up that background. I kept thinking about how much gets lost when you're simply not in the movie's、uh, primary market. Um, and I don't mean like not Chinese. I mean like if you're not dealing with the political stuff of that time、um, in that country, so Hong Kong, right?、Um, because there's clearly like 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 you said, there's clearly a message about、um, Hong Kong and China the, of the politics.、Um, someone even out outwardly says it in the movie, and and the comedy is so targeted、um, to that. So it's talking about the the issues of the time that maybe were in the news and the papers.、Um, and I kept wondering like how much of this is how much of this is just gone. When you're not familiar with the stuff that was happening, and how much are we not getting? Because we were just like you know not not there.、Um, so that's another thing. So, but but yeah, it was、um, like it, I I didn't expect the movie to be that sort of commentary until like someone in like the first twenty minutes says something very 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 super specific, and then I'm like, oh oh okay okay. So there's there's something going on here in the background. So I, like I said, watched it as a kid and just thought it was silly. You know that、uh, the dream sequences in particular are just very funny and kind of slapstick.、Mm. And so I think that's what I remembered. I remember that. I remember the squabbling in the house. I remember the the chemistry of the family. But I didn't necessarily remember or even understood that. So I kept waiting for the part where they got rich because, of course, I probably am conflating like all four movies into one giant movie. And so I I, I sat there and thought, man. They're keeping this family like in this rags to riches storyline. We're staying in the rags. I, this is exactly it. I was like, when do we get to the riches part? Right. When does it happen? And and I mean, spoiler alert. It doesn't. It like the whole movie. <laughs> there is no point at which they they get to the riches bit. In fact, they fight extensively over what it even means to be at the riches.、Um, Uncle Bill wants to stick to what is it thirty six dollars a day or something for the <laughs> yes, rest of their, their allowance. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. yeah um, 
And so I think recognizing that for me was really interesting because I don't think um, there's something about the pacing of that and the patience of that that made me think there's no way this movie um, in today's version would be made this way unless it were weirdly enough, and this is by no stretch of the imagination, that kind of movie. But unless it were an art house movie, <laughs> if you're doing a lottery movie about a family, there's no way you would tell it like this. I don't think so. No, you're right. And, and that's what I mean by there was a lot about this that surprising to watch today, right? Um, it's it's almost like the things you recognize is the type of comedy, which is kind of broad and often slapstick. Um, a lot of uh, the kind of back and forth that you're really used to from, but uh, in particular, Lydia Sum. Uh, but I didn't expect that the storyline would actually be yeah, it's kind of weird, like calling it calling it subtle or calling it sort of uh, held back is a weird way to describe this film. But it's almost not actually interested in the rags to riches part. It's actually interested in telling a family story and a story about family dynamics. So I was also wondering, like, how much of a, of a pop culture impact did this movie have? Because you're so big, right? Um, and how many other movies or, or sitcoms or TV shows did it? influence um do you guys remember under one roof the the singapore sitcom oh, yes. with uh, with mm. moses lim and, mm. and uh, veneta lopez um this movie reminded me so much of that sitcom uh, and it had all those like late 80s 90s tropes so i did some googling and i found out that um mediacorp in singapore produced a sitcom called with lydia with the same lydia um based in singapore with some of the cast from under one roof and then I started going like, so how much more did these like these, this trilogy, not not trilogy, quadrology now, uh, do for not only like like Hong Kong cinema and TV shows, but you know just like regional TV shows and dramas as well with all these like crossovers and spin-offs and I don't know like just branching out. And how many other movies came out after that, just directly inspired uh, by this. So perhaps it is at this point that uh, it's useful to know about Clifton Coe, who is the director of this and also directed All's Well, Ends Well. So um, he is, I wouldn't call him a one-man Chinese New Year like film industry, but he was really important in making it the genre that it was and in having that particular blend of messy family plus slapstick plus some social commentary or some sort of like mild emotional taunting, I suppose, um, which is what you would expect from any family reunion, I say, coming out <laughs> of Chinese New Year. Um, no, but but I think that if you if you take him and his influence and you run with it, then I suppose the influence stretches from not just this one movie, but this style of film and this style of storytelling that he he kind of did. Because you're right, it's very sitcom-y. Um, and not watching enough Hong Kong TV myself, I can't say. Or I watch the soaps. I don't remember watching like the, the comedies or, or what would be a Hong Kong sitcom. I also find it really interesting to think about movies like It's a Mad 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 World and All's Well Ends Well under that umbrella of like holiday movies because the holiday movies that we're used to from Hollywood, uh, which is usually around Christmas and Thanksgiving, have a very particular vibe, right? There's this sort of uh, warm, cozy, um, schmaltzy feel to the whole thing where it's always about a person learning to be better. And it's interesting how, at least from these examples and the ones that I know, um, that's not how they are. That instead, it's actually um, much more about 
having a good time as a family and poking fun at each other and almost like airing some of the anxieties that exist, um, which which I thought was interesting as a, as a cultural difference. I, I like that you brought that up because I also was thinking about, can you can you test this movie against modern times? Because there are some stuff in the movie that have not aged well, uh, some of the jokes, some of the humor. But then again, like, does it benefit anyone if you put it under that microscope, like obviously you should know what has aged and hasn't aged well and what works and, and doesn't work anymore. Right. But I think like movies like this, they exist in a sort of time capsule one because of the, all the political stuff and the, the current issues, but also because you just can't like, you can't start dissecting movies that are so, so rooted in a specific time. Right. Or, or because then it just falls apart. Like the whole thing just collapses. It's a lot of things, right? Because it's rooting in a specific time. It's also rooting in a very specific moral code. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm not talking about some of the stuff where I was like, eh, even then you guys knew you were just saying stuff. But um, I think when it's coming from this family first, the family unit is the most important kind of moral code, um, then you're going to get some things that in today's lens, you're like, ah, I don't know if I would have told the story this way, particularly in terms of how the the marriage goes or how the family goes. So yeah, I agree. I, I think it's impossible. Um, You cannot watch the film, but then you'd be missing out on a little bit of fun. Yeah, and I think comedy more than a lot of other genres actually often are time capsules. And you need to sometimes give them the allowance that some things don't age well, particularly how we view values and things like that. Hmm. Lynn, are the sequels good or as uh, good? They are like this. Okay. So this is what <laughs> okay, I would so say. So sign um, me up, I think. Yeah, because I, I can't even answer you objectively whether this film is in fact good or not. It's just that kind of movie. It's fun. It's there. Mm. If you want it, it's there. Um, okay, we're talking today about It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World from 1987. The year of the rabbit, symbolic and all that. Let us know, um, did you watch it? Do you remember watching it? And what have you been, uh, you know, if you had the time watching over Chinese New Year? WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.